Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, events, and issues surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm Stephen Conway. With me, as always, Jeremy Feinstone. We're contributors to the Fight Game Media Network, and we are going to be talking about uh, several things. We have some announcements coming up here, Jeremy, that came from the company regarding uh, mask mandates and things that will affect crowds in Japan. We're going to be talking about a new show that they has been put together that will involve all three of the most uh, high profile and, and uh, top companies in all together now. <laughs> all together again. And uh, we're going to, of course, talk about capital collision collision in Philadelphia. So with that in mind, folks, I'm going to do this right off the top here. Be spoilers. So if you're somebody that watches <laughs> uh, NJPW strong as an episodic television show, and you don't want to know what happened in uh, Philadelphia or Washington, this is not the episode of speaking of strong style for you. So things we are, happened. <laughs> there were things happen that are going to affect Antaku and all that. So we are going to have to cover this. And, uh, you know, oh, darn it, we have to cover uh, some interesting shows. Doggone it all. But uh, no, uh, these, of course, were taped and will be part of the New Japan Strong show that airs Saturday on NJPW World. So if you don't want spoilers, probably want to skip this one. But we're going to be talking about that here. Uh, Jeremy, you saw the two shows, Philadelphia and Washington. Before we get into uh, some other news and some nuts and bolts, what are your just overall impressions of these two nights in the U.S.? Okay, so I wasn't expecting much from these shows. It was kind of like, all right, I got to watch these shows. Let's see what angles we got. Aussie Open in the main event with these guys. This is interesting. There's a couple matches there, Desperado and Ishii, that, you know, eyebrow raise kind of stuff. The, the Saturday night show kind of felt like a more interesting show than the Sunday night show. But that was because things that happened on Saturday directly affected Sunday night. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a one-two punch of storytelling that New Japan had. It. So uh, before we get into it, I will give it a solid B, B plus uh, for both nights of the shows. Uh, when they end up on Strong, I highly recommend taking a opportunity to, you know, check it out. But if you didn't catch it, Nothing happened that you absolutely need to see right away. I imagine the main event of the first night will be the first show that they air on strong in the pattern of events going forward. All right. And we have a couple of viewers joining us here live. Colin is there. Brad is there. We're glad to see you guys. Hey guys. And, uh, anybody else watching live? We're glad you're with us. This is going to be a fun one. And, uh, you know, we were going over these things. I also want to mention uh, uh, talking a little bit about Tamashi, too. They had some shows this past weekend in uh, Australia that we're going to discuss very briefly. Uh, the most I'm of the not names I would so. <laughs> Well, most of them, well, you wouldn't recognize a lot of the names. Again, this is mostly Fale Dojo uh, people getting uh, reps. And uh, they also have some females on, on the show there, too. I don't know if they're from the Poly Dojo or they're mm. elsewhere. But, uh, yeah, there's some good stuff. Flaming Sharks in the house. Excellent. Uh, well, yeah. Speaking, speaking of, of uh, matches, coming soon to a uh, New Japan world near you, is the March uh, Rev Pro shows that had New Japan talent are now on World as well. So I believe that there was a Michael Oku match versus Zap Saber Jr. There was a Great Ocon match. And I believe there was another match on there. I... Had the notes up here, and then I lost them in the morass of many, many windows and tabs that I have going right now. But there are three matches on there that if you don't have enough New Japan World content to watch right now, uh, a little bit more on there for you. 
So should we count the companies that New Japan is currently working with right now? The so cooperative? They, they do with Noah. They're working with Noah. They're going to be working with All Japan. I don't know. We don't know any of the matches for that big All Together Again show on June 9th with Noah and All Japan. So we have no idea if those are going to be uh, within their bubble, meaning like All Japan versus All Japan, New, uh, Noah versus Noah, all that, or if they'll be cross-promotion. Maybe a mix of both. We don't know. No, nothing Nothing has been announced for that yet. It's going to be going on at Sumo Hall. And uh, one of the reasons they're doing it is to raise some money for charity. So this could be uh, just within their bubbles, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, they could do something special for that. But they've been working with CMLL. I want to make uh, Yota is a, the guy. He's going by Yota. Yota Suji is uh, down in Arena, Mexico, working down there and uh, doing a really good job. I'll tell you what, Jeremy, I, I do watch CMLL once in a while. And I just want to mention Yota Suji is really developing nicely i mean he, he had the nice run in rev pro in england he's coming along really good in cmll i saw hirai kawato uh he was the kawato son uh, there uh and working with uh okamura for the most part when he was on excursion and i think that yoda suji is further ahead charisma wise as far as working that crowd goes than uh kawato was and kawato was there for quite a while uh so all good signs pointing toward Yoda Suji. I do not know if he is the person. The guy. He's <laughs> asteroid approaching Earth. The, the, the beef coming to take over Tokyo. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, I, I, Bro, I will put all my chips in on Yoda Suji. I am so excited. <laughs> I, I told you a couple weeks ago how I feel about watching guys on excursion while yeah. on excursion. So I get excited when you give me these updates. You're like, hey, it's looking good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Flaming Shark mentioning New Japan is being uh, the Japanese AEW trying to work with everybody. That's about right. Yeah, true forbidden the, door, my friend. Everybody yeah. goes through. Everybody goes through New Japan. And as Brad mentions, there are, there are two outliers in this, <laughs> this whole thing, <laughs> and it's AAA and WWE. And of course, AAA, I, they are the mortal enemies of CMLL. Never shall anything pass between, uh, which isn't quite true. Some people have gone back uh, from triple a to cmll but the most part you're dead to cmll if you dare to appear in a triple a ring uh it's not always true but it's it's mostly true and so, this is uh, where issues like penta and phoenix not being on yeah the door come into play right yeah and in fact you know there's been some you know the, kenny omega was the uh the champion of triple a for a while which caused no uh, if you're big enough, you can do whatever you want. Those rules don't apply to you kind of thing. It, it can be overcome, but enough, yeah. the politics are difficult. It, may, it, it complicates things. doesn't make things impossible, but it complicates things. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, the, so we're going to have uh, – they're going to be working with everybody there. So I just want to mention Yoda Suji uh, appearing in Arena Mexico a little bit uh, recently. So it's good to see him doing well. I like dude. Looking forward to him being back. Uh, another reminder, we're going to be available here as a podcast a little bit later on tonight. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcast, wherever you get your podcast, by correcting. You can uh, find us there. Uh, you can rate us, give us a review. We appreciate all that feedback. Anywhere uh, that, that you see us, you want to just say we get five stars, I will, <laughs> I will buy you a cup of coffee. There you go. If there. I ever meet you, I'll buy you a cup of coffee in exchange for the full five star experience from any of the platforms that we uh, that we currently can be accessed from. <laughs> Free coffee to be had in San Jose, California. Woo! What more could you ask for? So they announced uh, some. We're going to get into these uh, shows soon. They announced a little bit of news about masks, Jeremy, that will affect Antaku. Uh starting in May. <clears throat> uh, masks are to be left up to individuals. That includes both the audience. 
and the personnel, the people that work for New Japan as well. So I might be seeing, maybe seeing fewer masks. It's going to be a personal choice now. And also uh, crowds are 100% cheering and at 100% capacity. So all those restrictions have been lifted. No more every other chair, no more sections of people cheering. And uh, at New Japan shows now, 100% capacity, 100% cheering. And uh, yeah, and <laughs> With this I'm just going to put this on the bad. screen right there. Can we give you seven stars if we're in Tokyo? <laughs> Everything's better in the Tokyo Dome, baby. <laughs> sure, it's always better in Tokyo. Always better in Tokyo. Uh, we, we, have the smartest, you... we have the smartest viewers. I love this stuff. Do you think that there's going to be a lot of math still uh, in the audience, even though? Yeah, I do. I, I think I think so too. That was cultural anyway. I was in Japan in 2019, so before the pandemic, and it is considered polite. This is before any ever heard of COVID. It is considered polite if you are a little bit under the weather to wear a mask so as to not spread germs. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, you know, okay. <laughs> and somehow it wasn't a giant political statement. We're not going to get into all that, but it is a, a cultural thing in Japan. It is considered polite to wear a mask if you have the sniffles or something, so you don't spread them. And, and so just uh, be so, used to seeing masks on there, even though you know, it's like it's a personal choice now. Yeah, and I think you will still see people doing that, and maybe some more that just feel a little more comfortable or a little safer or whatever. But I think you're going to be seeing. Be shocked if you see a lot of the New Japan talent when they're now still wearing masks. Yeah, it, but it's not going to be required anymore. Right. So that's that's. But it, what I'm saying about that is not trying to make some statement about masks. What no, I'm saying no, is no. that after after all this time, after all this time here in 2023, Japan is starting to feel a little more confident about the future. And I don't mean just New Japan, just Japan as a whole, and uh, that this is being allowed. So that's something that we're going to be seeing in May. And uh, personally, you know, like the the cheering has made such a difference to me. I'm 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 glad to see that uh, cheering is going to be allowed there so i mean we're approaching this from how we get to watch these shows and how the sound and the presentation and the audience interacts with the show so it's important to talk about these things because things changed for the last three years and we've been gradually talking about how it's just been feeling stronger and stronger a little bit more all the way back from what new japan is and so you know we're just we're just tracking the progress of getting back to 100 percent here and uh this is a big deal in that aspect there was a visible difference in the work too. You could see that getting that cheering crowd back energized the guys. They were putting forth a lot of effort during the pandemic. That is not trying to say anybody was slacking. But when you get that feedback, when you can get that rush off the crowd, when you can understand what they're into and what they're not into, which you is more challenging to do with clapping. Uh, you could see a visible difference in the energy in the ring right there. The guys just fed off of it. So and it's going to be nice to hear that full time. And remember how many things they waited to pull the trigger on until that they could get the engagement with the fans and the reactions and like the energy that something was important when it happened. They waited on Sonata. Just five guys happened after the after the end of the year, after they'd made a lot of campaigns and intonations. They really pulled the trigger at the New Japan Cup when things had eased, eased even more. You know, it's like there was timing issues with how they pulled the trigger on a lot of these guys and changing all of these stables and what they did. And it makes a lot more sense now when you look at it in like the blueprint landscape of why they did what they did and waiting, even though it felt like, man, pull the trigger on all these guys. If they'd pulled the trigger and the audience couldn't react to full capacity, would it have meant as much? It's an interesting point, I guess. Well, you know, and what's, what's nice is that we'll have all those reactions going forward, going into best of super juniors 
and then into G1 as well. So, you know what had a really there. good reaction this week? What's that? Aussie Open winning the New Japan Strong title. As we get right into the shows, yeah, this was one that we frankly did not see coming. I don't think we really thought that they would be doing the title switch. And we're going to get into what might be the ramifications of this. But right there in uh, Capital Collision, Washington, D.C. on April 15th, uh, 2,179 folks showed up for this one. Nice crowd. And uh, the main event was a three-way match for the strong openweight tag team titles. And it was the Motor City Machine Guns, Chris Saban and Alex Shelley, the champions going in, Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi on one end of it. And then uh, Aussie Open, Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher. And, of course, Davis and Fletcher were already the IWGP tag team champions. We thought this was going to be some sort of thing where Tanahashi is uh, further uh, humiliated because we supposed that maybe Okada would get frustrated with him. Instead, they went a totally different direction that you and I, frankly, didn't see coming. Aussie Open wins the match. They are now... Uh, two double champions. They, they, you know, I was going to say uh, Kyle and Mark two belts, I guess, but uh, they have the strong openweight titles, the IWGP heavyweight titles, and uh, this was a, a surprise to me. Uh, what did you think watching this? Did you expect that uh, three count when it happened? Okay, so closer to the show, I was like, there's two things that can happen here. Either Tanahashi loses from the Motor City Machine Guns, or Aussie Open wins. And I was more thinking about it later in going into the show because Motor City Machine Guns are now exclusive to Impact. And Impact and New Japan have a relationship. But if they're going to not be the Impact champions and they're still walking around with belts, losing to Ace and Bay Connection, that doesn't look good for New Japan. It doesn't look good for Impact. So there was an interest to get those belts off of Motor City Machine Guns. And the more I thought about it, this could happen. And when it did, it felt like a lot of things locked into place. We have a new 2023 belt collector gimmick going on. And it is specifically called that within the show. They called out FTR at the end of the match. And so it becomes abundantly clear that what we're heading towards is a conflict again with Aussie Open and FTR. And I'm going to guess at Forbidden Door 2, and we may be looking at Aussie Open as potential AEW champions uh, to return the favor of the FTR being the IWGP champions last year. And I do kind of think that uh, Aussie Open might be around a little bit more considering the G1 will be going on and then there'll be some dates in you know, September and October. Maybe they have it for the World Tag League, but, there are, but there's like a timetable here. So if you look at it, my prediction as I've been going from the beginning – Aussie Open Tag Team of 2023, bro, it's coming together. <laughs> yeah, it is. And <clears throat> so you think it's more of a belt collection gimmick? Because I wondered when I saw the results, I thought, mm -hmm. hmm, does that mean they're going to combine these? I don't feel like that's what's going on. Uh, but it could be if they're going to just kind of make this all one big title picture. But if so, what does that mean for the strong title that Kenta holds? You know, so, is he, you know, is he going to wrestle Sonata and firm that thing up? Or I don't, I'm not sure that's really what's I think they going wanted on. a collection of belts that they yeah. could, that they could have defended stateside that wasn't as prestigious as the IWGP tag titles. There are teams that they are going to face that frankly speaking, challenging the IWGP tag titles for them makes no sense whatsoever. But challenging for the New Japan strong tag titles 
in a bunch of different federations makes a whole lot more sense and impact, potentially in AEW, potentially in Ring of Honor. Those are matches that you could potentially do if you don't want to put the IWGP tag titles against Joe and Jim, whatever your names are. And that's something that they might do because Aussie Open is traveling the world. They're working dates for all federations. They are just like their productivity is off the chart. I think they wrestled five times during, you know, the WrestleMania weekend. They've been traveling back and forth, Japan, here, there. The representation that they're doing for New Japan is like, yeah, put both belts on them because they're going everywhere. And just the, the main thing is, is I hope they don't get injured because their, their work rate is insane. And I'm going to mention that because this move right here, this is a moonsault that our boy uh, Kyle Fletcher did in the match. And he managed to split himself in twain on that, uh, on the uh, oh. ape, on the steel barricade mm. after landing. And these guys all beat the shit out of each other. And I don't say that lightly. Hiroshi Tanahashi broke a rib in this match. Okada nearly got killed on a suicide dive on the other side. Just balls out insane. Motor City Machine Gun proved it to me that they are one of the best tag teams in the world. I still think Aussie Open has the edge on them this year, but they carried this match as well. They had to go back to Impact Rebellion the next night, but they did the job, passed on the titles after winning the titles from Aussie Open back in October, and the world is once again right again. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll see what they do with those belts. Right now, there are no plans uh, to have Kenta face Sonata to bring together the open. So it might be just a belt collector thing. Like it just, it's a good angle. It might be yeah. a belt collector thing. It is explicitly a belt collector thing based off of the the, the post match angle, post match discussion. And a quick hello to Kenny Williams. It says hi to us over there on the chat. So uh, we are going to move to Kenta, who uh, had a strong open weight title defense himself. It was against Eddie Edwards. It went 18 minutes and 42 seconds. Kenta has uh, survived and is uh, holding on to that uh, open weight title like we thought he would. Uh, and uh, the strong championship, which means his match at Dontaku is now officially a title match, which we kind of suspected. Mm -hmm. Of course, they couldn't announce it until after this one. So Eddie Edwards, a, uh, a worthy challenger, I suppose. Uh, but uh, not much doubt that Kenta was going to hold on to this. It was a fine match. I I believe that Eddie Edwards' best days are behind him, and this was a good match spotlight to fill him on the card as a good challenger for Kenta. You know, they, they have history going back with each other. Uh, again, it wasn't, wasn't the best match on the card. I don't really want to say much about it because I just I felt like Eddie Edwards was a little bit step behind, kind of reminded me a little bit of Tommy Dreamer and not in a good way. And uh, is there a good way to think of Tommy Dreamer? Uh, there have been at some point to the past, but you know, that was that was what I saw when I was watching this match. Must have missed and... that week. <laughs> there was one week in the catalog. Was there a good week for Tommy? Oh, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to be honest. Not <laughs> sure there was. Look on the front side. <laughs> Not sure there was. Uh, Kenta, Kenta get it, did it best. It was a little sloppy, it went a little long. I think they needed a name to prop out this card at the top of the card, uh, knowing <clears throat> what plans that they had on it. Eddie Edwards is a name, and it checked a box. Well, let's not forget what this is also, is that this is the new version of tapings for Strong. Mm -hmm. So Strong Champion has to be on it every once in a while. So yeah, there you go. So, you know, Kento will be part of these as long as he's holding that belt. And then what do we have here? By gosh, the nothing scarier for a champion than when the lights go out after the match, is there? 
when a monotone giant tells you he's coming for his title, you should stand there and not go anywhere because he's not going after you on the video. Uh, Hikaleo challenging for the New Japan Strong title, like we were talking about, I believe, on May 3rd. Uh, he's waiting. This is how New Japan does these things. They waited until the match was over, but we all kind of knew this was... It was kind of the other reason why Eddie Edwards' match felt like um, a stop on the way because we're building Hikaleo. Just five guys. Sonata, the new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, the next challenger for Hiromu Takahashi, wrestled uh, Naito and Hiromu there. So we got a preview tag in, in that one. So Hiromu is going to be wrestling both of these guys going uh, forward in the near future, uh, Kanemaru and Sonata. So they threw this one at him and put in uh, one of the most popular guys in the whole business in Tetsuya Naito there. What did you think of this one, uh, this tag, Jeremy? This was all presentation and this was all aura. Everybody did what they do. Hiromo does his stuff. Naito did his stuff. Sonata, Kanemaru, the whiskey bottle, the whole deal. Like it was basically everything about their shtick. Uh, Sonata came out last. He had his tank top over the belt and then he flipped up his tank top and then the belt, like, and then rested the cloth behind it. Pretty slick move. He's got that strong baby face energy. Uh, went about 17 minutes, 16 minutes and 40 seconds. Here's where it got interesting. It was a by-the-numbers LIJ match until Kanemaru pinned Hiromu. Set up for yeah. their match. Coming in, uh, I believe, on the 27th of April. So yeah. it, I kind of was thinking that Kanemaru might be the guy to lose him because he didn't, I didn't expect uh, Hiromu to get pinned stateside. I just, you know, one of those tapes, the but when the other team got the IWGP championship, I guess, uh, I guess Hiromu is the one man on the totem pole. And again, it goes back to something we've talked about the last couple of weeks that Hiromu has to make everybody. And because no one is really on his level, he has to make everybody look like he's on that on Hiromu's level. So that means taking a pinfall from Kanemaru and Kanemaru is a terrific wrestler. That's mm -hmm. going to be a really good match, but he is seen as a level below perhaps Desperado certainly Takahashi. So this type of finish, they might ha may have felt that it was a little bit necessary. Uh, and uh, Brad brings up a nice point here that uh, Dontaku show there. Uh, they just announced the show with him against Hiromu has. They were warning people out. all day today. Like, Hey, if you want your tickets to this show, like you, you got to get them. And then congratulations to them. Yeah. Great. I mean, that's uh, reflection that is of a good reaction to Sonata as the champion. Absolutely. And we have uh, now, our, a big angle in this next match here. We had Juice Robinson non -match. and Fred Rosser. It, it was a match that didn't happen because Juice attacked Fred Rosser before the bell. Of course, Juice Robinson interfered in the match between Fred Rosser and Kenta in the first place, which is why Kenta is the strong champion. Uh, he got the title from Fred Rosser partially due to Juice, and of course, Fred's blaming Juice, thus transitioning Fred into the feud. Now, you had uh, some thoughts on why this had to be the way this went. And it, it's very interesting. I think you're absolutely correct. We're going to get to that in a second. So, of course, Juice was involved in that mini tournament for the shot at the U.S. title, Kenny Omega's U.S. title. For political reasons, or at least storyline reasons, or however you want to put it, uh, Juice needed to get out of that. So here's how they got out of it. Juice attacked Rosser before, being the jerk heel that he is. 
before the bell and attacked some New Japan officials as well in the midst of all that, thus getting himself storyline suspended. So this match never happened. It was all an angle. And then he was removed from that U.S. title contenders tournament uh, the following night because the first match of it was going to take place in Philadelphia. So, Jeremy, tell us a little bit more about why New Japan felt this move was necessary. Brother, I'll take a fucking match. It's just such a match. Okay. First off, we need to go back to Battle in the Valley when Fred Rosser was defending a champion against Kenta. Okay. And he was getting booed against Kenta. And that was a bad sign. So from the last time that we've seen on a New Japan show, uh, a prominent spot for Fred Rosser, he was booed by the crowd, comes into this show, puts a chair with Tony Storm's name on it on the front row so that Juke could have his wife see him get his ass kicked by Fred Rosser. And when you put all this together, fuck, beat a gas juice. Like, you're the face here. Like, he has escalated this to a point where it's like, there's no winners here. No one's right. No one has the moral high ground anymore. But I kind of side with juice here when you escalated it, like trying to bring his wife into the picture. I the whole the whole rest of it. Well, like, Tony's Tony's a heel too. So Tony's anyway, a heel too, work. but there's, there's just a whole thing here that she's like, you read the room wrong, Fred Rocker. And then he got his ass handed to him, pillar to post. He got beat on the stage. He got this pile driver taken. He got chairs on the ring, just beat down, taken around the corner. And then he just got taken away. And it was briefly mentioned. They moved on. But it wasn't until later that they announced that Juke was going to be suspended and that he was no longer going to be on uh, the show in any matches until further notice. So why did they do this, Stephen, you ask? Uh, why did they do this, Jeremy? I'm asking. <sighs> Jay White wasn't supposed to go to AEW. And so now <laughs> that Jay White is with Juke Robinson on Rampage the night before talking about Bullet Club Gold and doing the two sweet, that kind of undercuts David Finley, doesn't it? David Finley, who by the announcer's explanation, have been told he has complete and utter control over Bullet Club and whatever he says goes and he kicked out Jay White. And if Jay White ever wants to be in Bullet Club or have any matches in New Japan, they have to go through him. So what does it say if you just have his buddy over there doing matches carefree and careless and David Finley just lets it happen? This guy is ruling everything in Bullet Club with an iron with an iron fist. It just doesn't look right. So they have to get him off this show in some way, shape, or form, given that the angle happened battle in the Valley. Jay White timeline veered back and forth until he came into AEW. Then we have this match, and people might be asking the question, well, why do you have Jay White's buddy wrestling in a match on a show that's basically commandeered by David Finley, and they're telling us David Finley runs Bullet Club? That, that's the question. So they had to no contest this and, you know, follow it up in some way, shape, or form. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see Fred Rosser on an AEW ring or even a Ring of Honor ring or some other uh, some other show that is not New Japan that David Finley won't be uh, involved with in order to continue this feud. We'll see how that turns out. But yeah, Juice not in the U.S. title tournament and that led to something else in uh, Philadelphia we'll get to in a moment. So a uh, special singles match, Tomohiro Ishii uh, over El Desperado. 
Uh, I'd imagine this match was fantastic. I know that it ended with a, a, a rare win for Ishii, who usually loses when he goes to the United States. There was so, a story behind this match. Go ahead. So, do you remember their match about three years ago? Sure, yeah. No, I mean, these two actually have really this, good chemistry together. That had everything to do with this match. And this was the this was the ghost that Desperado couldn't give up. And so, he was chasing Ishii, and this match meant more to him than it did to Ishii. But Ishii was in there, and he was in there to win this match. But this, this was something that Desperado wanted, wanted to win. And they went hard at each other. They beat the ever-living out of each other, I would have to say. Uh, 16 minutes, 40 seconds, same as the, uh, the LIJ match. Here's where it got interesting. Desperado had this match won. He put Ishii in the Pinche Loco, hit the, hit the move, sat there in shock, and instead of pinning him, got him up for a, another one. Ishii, a numero dos? So you try a numero dos on? He tried it again. Ishii powered out, gave him a headbutt, killed him, gave him the vertical brain buster, and pinned him. Mm. And it was it was tragic, but as I was watching and I wrote in the Discord in our group chat, we were like, Desby, you stupid motherfucker. You stupid, <laughs> stupid man. <laughs> Pin him. We all saw it, and when you see it, you'll know that like he had him dead to rights, and you wanted Desperado to get this win. Pride yeah. goeth before the fall. That's pride goeth pride. before the fall, my man. It was, it was tragic, but a longer story. And when, when Desperado gets that win, man, it's gonna be a big deal. This is his new white whale. <laughs> we had a world television title defense on this one, and we were curious about this going into the show because of the styles. And you have an MMA fighter against the best technical wrestler out there. Uh, well, I mean, there's some. Uh, Brian, uh, there are some Brian Danielson fans. I won't argue with those guys either there. But, uh, you know, it's Zach and Daniel. One of the two are the best technical wrestler on earth. Uh, Tom Waller, uh, terrific character, uh, really good wrestler, has that MMA background. What was this television title defense like? Zach got away with it. He's going to be facing Jeff Cobb for the title in a very interesting match uh, coming up uh, in Dontaku. So uh, how was this uh, defense? This was a fantastic match. There are people, and I wouldn't argue with them, that said this was the best. This was the best match on the show. Uh-huh. Uh, they they went at it hard, uh, especially in the last three and a half minutes of the the match. Once they got that ten minute a ten minute ring, they they went they went pretty gnarly on each other. And uh, the finish was the roll up that Zach Saber has, but he has now a new name for it. Have you seen the new name for this uh, finish? It's- it's a Wham reference, if I'm not mistaken. So he's, he got the George Michael reference back in there. What is it officially? It is the Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. There it is. Oh. I love it. Zach Saber Jr. is a secret baby face. <laughs> and we've known that for a while, but he, yeah. So that with that, they were able to announce that the Jeff Cobb match is for the television title. So. We had another angle before that. So we're going to get to this and we're going to talk to about a couple of matches together here because one led into the other. So it doesn't make sense to go backwards in this one. The first match of the night that, well, the first match of the night was uh, bad dude, Tito and Shane haste uh, beating Royce Isaacs and Jarrell Nelson in kind of a dark match there. Not dark. I think it was broadcast, but wasn't part of the main card. Then we had a, uh, what is an eight man tag? It was an eight. Yes. Eight, eight man tag. Ten, uh, ten, man ten. No, there were ten. Yeah, you're right. So here, here we go. I'm gonna go. speedball Mike Bailey, Gabriel Kidd, Kevin Knight, 
Volador Jr. and Kushida on one side of it. On the other was Leo Rush, Rocky Romero, Chuck Taylor, the DKC, and Clark Connors. I mentioned him last for a reason. Uh, first of all, Volador pinned Rocky in the match. So that yep, sets, up, uh, <laughs> sets up once again Volador challenging Rocky for the CMLL historic welterweight title. That's going to go on in Mexico City. So much fun in New Japan. You get to see angles from CMLL in Washington, D.C. for a, show, a match that's going to be set up for Mexico City. I love this stuff. Uh, it all weaves together. It's like Secret Wars back in the day. But uh, we had... Uh, we had. <laughs> uh, are you proud of me? I was really happy. I, about I did. That. I was like, "Holy yeah. shit!" <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, I didn't got you without. So, point being, after this one, Clark Connors expressed some frustration. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's expressed his frustration from what I heard in beating the living hell out of the DKC afterwards. Uh, and yeah, Clark ended up turning heel off of this one. And after the match, he thought, "Well, okay, Clark is just a jerk now." However. The next match was David Finley versus A.R. Fox. Finley won the match, of course. No one really doubted that one too much. But then he called Finlay out afterwards. When they booted ELP, when he was chalet laid out by that uh, shillelagh uh, gimmick that he has, where he's that's that's the firing offense right there. Is he pegs you with the shillelagh, you're out of Bullet Club. So it happened to Jay White, it happened to ELP, El Fantasmo. He said in post-match comments that he already had the next guy picked out. Well, it turns out the next guy was Clark Connors. So I admit, again, I didn't really see that one coming, but Clark Connors is now Bullet Club. And uh, Connors beat the hell out of the DKC after the match, and they immediately set up a match between the two for Philadelphia the following night. But yeah, here you go, right there uh, with the two suite and the photograph on the screen for the podcast uh, folks is uh, David Finlay on the microphone giving the two suite to Clark Connors, the newest member a bullet club. So Finley had a speech, and the speech was he wanted his bullet club to be full of savages. He was not going to let bullet club turn on him before he turned on them. So he is reforming his own bullet. He he is reshaping bullet club into his vision. And I don't think he's done with Clark Connors. I also think Gabriel Kip joining. And we're hmm. we're we're gonna be seeing it very very soon. There were tells here and there that was just kind of like, hmm, just one of those things. And so, so you're looking Wild at Rhino, perhaps perhaps a NJPW strong branch of Bullet Club uh, that you know maybe more uh, yeah, there that, more than other could, places. That could definitely be. I I also could see them more in Japan. You know, it's like it's a way to reincorporate them back into Japan by bringing them and, and having more tours. You know that white gear that. Clark Connors has the last time we're going to be seeing him in white for a very, 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 very long time. He came out in hot pink the next night. Hmm. All right. A little heart foundation. Rhino, perhaps. A little heart foundation, he maybe. But uh, the other thing that he mentioned, I, I thought this was an interesting turn of phrase by Finlay. He said that he wanted to get Bullet Club before Bullet Club got him. And that was his phrase for how he was going to shape Bullet Club. So that was an interesting way of putting it, I think. So it definitely leads to a different version of the group than the Jay White version or the mm -hmm. Kenny Omega version or the AJ Styles version of Bullet Club. And I suppose the smartest thing Ghetto, the New Japan booker, can do is uh, continue to evolve that product. Uh, so you know, it's the longest, is it the long? It's one of the longest running factions. I think Chaos has probably been around longer than they have. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's, it's one of the like older factions years now. Nine years. Yeah, it's been quite a while. It's been yeah. quite a while. So, got to keep evolving. Got to keep evolving. 
Uh, I think they're doing a good job with it. Um, I know people are like David Finley. I don't know. Give it time. Like they're not forcing him down your throat and at least they're spending time growing the stable and letting the angle play out in all these shows. And, you know, there's a recruitment drive and, and you're, you're invested in the steps along the way, other than like David Finley's here. He's a new leader. Resume business as usual. They have, they have made efforts to do things differently with this. And, you know, I'm kind of here for it. I'm not trying to compare David Finlay and Jay White. I don't think Finlay is quite on Jay's level there. But I will say that we did not know how good Jay White was when he took over Bullet Club. Yeah. When he came back from excursion as a switchblade, he did that whole thing where he was the malevolent force within chaos we all knew was going to turn it turned out that he was <laughs> that he got ghetto along for the ride too and the whole thing with okada but there were a lot of people that were like jay white like that guy is running bullet club now and oh, that turned out just fine let's see what david does with it they are they're confident in their um in their young lion system and they should be like all these yeah. guys are they're they're all part of it in some way, shape, or form. And when they're when the company finally feels ready to strap a rocket to them, they're not scared. And you know, it's like sink or swim at that point. But it's not the company, you know, hedging on their potential by the time it's like, all right, it's go time. So it's go time for Clark Connors. He is being positioned in the bullet club. That is a big deal. And uh, part of his uh, new push continued in Philadelphia, Collision in Philadelphia, where on top we had Aussie Open defending their newly won Openweight Tag Team titles. Flaming Shark is excited. Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. Had a feeling uh, that the point uh, that was getting another set of belts on Aussie Open to keep the momentum strong for them after Genesis. Yep, looks like it's the case. And they might have even bigger aspirations beyond that. So, yeah, uh, they were in the main event again. They were facing Tomohiro Ishii and Leo Rush. They were representing Chaos in this one. And uh, I just this wasn't at the, the match. This wasn't supposed to be the match. Okay, Remember, go ahead and talk to us about it. It was supposed to be Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah. And, uh, and Leo Rush and Tomohiro Ishii versus TJP and Aussie Open. And so TJP couldn't make it for travel reasons. And I use the finger quotes because who knows? And uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi broke a rib in that six man match. Perhaps on the moon salt, perhaps on the uh, the Aussie Open grabbing Okada and Tanahashi on their shoulders and doing the outside ring apron walk. But <laughs> what happened was, as a result, we got a damn near match of the weekend uh, from Aussie Open versus Tomohiro Ishii and Leo Rush. So this was a really good one, I can imagine. I mean, the four people involved, it's hard to imagine. Davis and Ishii, I would pay to see. Fletcher versus Rush, I would pay to see. And then throw them all in there together, it sounds like a pretty good combo. Yeah, they. Uh, it was Corey Alex on Leo Rush. I don't really know what to say other than you got the dream matches of Fletcher and Leo Rush in the ring with each other. You got Kyle Davis and Ishii with each other. You got Mark Kyle, oh, yeah, Mark Davis and Ishii in the ring with each other. You got Davis and Leo with each other. Fletcher and Ishii. They were all just, they were all just grooving with each other. And I, it was a different match than Ishii had the night before, but there's an argument to be made that Ishii had a hell of a weekend with this match. One of the best workers in the world, really, Tomohiro Ishii, and has been for quite a while. So he just showed it there when they needed him. They needed him to step into a spot and, and do well. So he, he did. Number so one contender. first title defense. 
Yeah. So uh, there you have it. Number one contender tournament for the IWGP US heavyweight title. We talked about this. No longer Juice Robinson, but instead Fred Rosser. And uh, it's Lance Archer getting the win here. And uh, so Archer ended up uh, moving on in the tournament. He will face the winner of, well, Osprey and what is scheduled to be Hiroshi Tanahashi. Hopefully Tanahashi is healthy enough to work that match, but we don't know yet. Who had on their bingo card that we weren't sure that it was going to be Hiroshi Tanahashi unable to make that 521 match at Resurgence in Long Beach and not Will Ospreay? One me. Um, well, and yeah, that's the question too, because officially Will has put out on social media that he is cleared to wrestle, although he does not feel 100%. So we'll see. I, you know, uh, keep your eye on this space. We'll obviously keep you up to date on everything that happens with that as to whether or not uh, Ta- Tanahashi, Osprey, any of them are able to make it to that match there. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they will. Of course, uh, we're rooting for everybody to be uh, healthy again. Interesting note, if this does turn out to be Osprey versus Lance Ar- Archer, I got to see their last uh, collision there, Jeremy. It was uh, at the first night of the G1 in uh, 2019 when That's they went right. to Dallas. And I had a feeling that Archer was going to win that match because Archer, who is from Texas and from that area, uh, from the area, uh, put in a lot of legwork in promoting that show. Mm -hmm. So I had a feeling he was going to be rewarded uh, with the victory over Will in the opening night of the tournament. That was also, by the way, uh, Kenta's first uh, New Japan match against uh, Kota Ibushi that night. And we got Okada versus Tanahashi. So it's about as happy as I've ever been in my damn life. One of the the last times that uh, New Japan was in the States before COVID, too. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, because I, I went out to Japan for my trip out there and saw Noah, so I saw a night of the N1 tournament and uh, a night of the G1 tournament the same mm-hmm. year, which I'm very proud of, and then the world changed, <laughs> so I'm glad I got it in when I could do it, but uh, Archer got the win in that one, so actually, uh, Osprey owes him one. Funny thing about that, too, Jeremy, of course, Archer back then, I don't know if he still is, was using the claw a lot, and if there is a move that is over in Texas after the Von Erichs all right. these years... All these years, Jeremy, the claw was still over in Texas when he clamped that thing on. It was I, I just kind of made this face, and my girlfriend was sitting next <laughs> to me, and she was enjoying the show. She was just like, "What?" And I just said, "That's it. the Von Eric claw still works." And even she was aware of the Von Eric claw just from uh, osmosis, from uh, living in Plano and around the Texas area. Every stuff is just in the in the air there. So. I think the plan is for Osprey to eventually get the win back yeah. if the planets align and everybody can do the match and be healthy. Yeah, th- this has definitely been a little bit of a snake bit tournament, but uh, it seems like a lot of the tournaments that they try and do stateside between AEW and New Japan for whatever way, shape, or form always can be snake bit in some way. Getting back to this match, though, I will say they did everything in their power to sell that Rosser was beat to crap for the night before. They wrapped his body in bandages. They sold that his ear needed something like a half a dozen staples or stitches. He was bleeding from the, the roof of his head. It was a light blood, but they they were doing what they could, but it seemed abundantly clear that it was all to protect him from losing uh, to Archer with the beating from the night before playing a huge factor. And if you can see, Juice did return even though as a no disqualification match that they stipped it into right before the match started, it really didn't play into him being suspended because it didn't technically play into the outcome of the match. It's all a headache. We will see where this goes into the future. But uh, my takeaway from all this is 
time to turn Fred Roth your heel. Okay, well, we'll see what they do going forward. And before that, we had another bit of a preview. This was Naito and uh, Hiromu against uh, Kenta and Chase Owens. So uh, that was a, a neat little uh, tag match there. What did you think of this one? It, it, not really a storyline going on with any of these guys in that sense, but uh, four pretty good wrestlers. What, how was this one? This was, hey, guys, we know it's not a big card, but here's Naito and Hiromu, and they're going to give you 10 minutes, and they're going to win a match. And uh, Naito, I think, gave him one or two Destinos to Chase Owens. It was everything that you've ever seen in every Naito tag match that you watch in the uh, in the New Japan like pre pre matches. You know the Road to Tentaku matches and everything. And this was essentially what that was. Uh, I am really happy for the fans in Philadelphia and Washington D.C. Frankly, they got to see Naito and Hiromu Takahashi because they do not come around state said all that much and uh it's a box to check off to see these guys live so uh they showed up they showed up to wrestle and that's all i asked them for <laughs> yeah and, and again you know we're we're servicing a couple of different masters here we're putting on a show for the folks in philadelphia 977 uh, showed up to the 2300 arena the arena formerly known as the ecw arena uh, the old bingo hall in South Philly there. And, you know, you, so you're trying to put on a show for those folks. You're also trying to put together matches for strong. So, you know, there's all those things being done at the same time. And then after Orange... this match, after this match, oh, go ahead. Uh, me, yes. Rocky Romero came out and they announced that at the 2300 arena in August was going to be the all-star J one festival stateside uh, and tickets were on sale that night. And I know that, People were there that got tickets for this show, and they've already sold tickets for for August for Hiromu Takahashi's All Star Junior Heavyweight Special. That's something that WWF did. I don't know if they still do, but WWF they, when they would when they would come regularly to an arena. I used to go to see them in in uh, well first in South Bend, Indiana, and then in uh, Chicago later. Uh, once I got old enough to drive to Chicago, uh, they had the better cards. That was the A. The A folks went up to Chicago. We got the some pretty good B shows. I got to say, we usually got Randy Savage or the tag team champs or something like that. But you know, the big stuff was going on in Chicago. We used to go over there, and they would announce the next show, and tickets are on sale now. Well, in 1997, I got wind through the Observer that WrestleMania was going to be in Chicago. And so I made sure that I was at the show in Chicago before that one. And sure enough, just before intermission, by gosh, they uh, announced that uh, the next one will be WrestleMania there at the old uh, old Rosemont Horizon uh, building. It's called something else now. And I remember sprinting from my chair up the aisle. To pumping. And I got to <laughs> see Bret Hart, Steve Austin. I quit live and in person, by God. I saw one of the best matches in WWF history because of that. So always fun when they announce a big event. Uh, Not right a formative experience in your life at all. No, that was a man. That was a that was a good day. That was a good, that day. Is a good day. So yeah, there you go. So they will be back, and with a, another junior heavyweight festival, the first one there got, uh, as far as the work goes, got rave reviews. That Cork and Hall show that Hiromu uh, promoted in uh, in Tokyo not too long ago. So there'll be an American version of that. There's some great American uh, juniors out there, and I'm sure he'll bring in a lot of people from a lot of places. Maybe some uh, some from Mexico. So uh, you know. They, Almost certainly a terrific show, so we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on that. There's one. a lot of talent out there to show up for these shows. Probably mm. going to be a lot of tag matches with one or two singles matches at the top. You know, it's not going to be it's not going to be dream matches across the board of juniors, but there's going to be a lot of great talent on that show. 
AEW had a title defense on this one, the international title. It was Orange Cassidy, the champion, defending against Gabriel Kidd. This one went just under 12 minutes and was another one of those similar to the uh, Eddie Edwards match. I don't think too many people thought Gabriel Kidd was taking the title off of Orange Cassidy, except maybe Gabriel's mom hoping. But, uh, you know, the but a good match overall, Jeremy. What would you think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, this was supposed to be Eddie Kingston versus Gabriel Kidd. Eddie Kingston got the hernia, and he's probably going to have to get surgery from the Claudio Castagnoli match. And so the the makeup, because New Japan Pro Wrestling is actually a partner that <coughs> AEW respects, is that they brought Orange Cassidy in and did an international title defense. Now, it was really interesting on the show because we had Ian Riccoboni, Alex Kozlov, and Veda Scott doing the call on both hmm. of these shows. And they were explaining that the international title was created to come to New Japan and be defended here. And it has taken this long for the first match to happen. (laughs) So there was an implication there that this will be happening more often. But I'm not sure that, you know, Orange Cassidy is going to be holding that title for a whole lot longer. Because the storyline with him is he's having a series of banger defenses, something like 18 title defenses. But his hand is getting worn down. His hand definitely got worn down in this one. Uh, he couldn't use the punch to uh, to win. He had to use the mousetrap. And uh, this was a good showing by Gabriel Kidd. An excellent showing from Orange Cassidy. Uh, Orange Cassidy fit in exceptionally well into the New Japan ring. Afterwards, they did the handshake uh, show of respect. We got the sunglasses on Gabriel Kidd, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of ha-ha, but I don't know how much longer Gabriel Kidd is going to be doing ha-ha comedy for the for the crowd if you wink, wink, nudge, nudge, know what I'm saying. So. Well, it was a great go. match. Uh, it over-delivered, and when it was Eddie Kingston and Gabriel Kidd, you had an idea it was going to be one kind of match. This being another match with Orange Cassidy showed a side of Gabriel Kidd that he is not normally able to show uh, with the style that Orange Cassidy does. I recommend watching it for that. So with that, uh, we're going to look at the rest of this card here. The Clark Connors defeated the DKC in a match we're going to get to in just a minute. Uh, n- there's not much to say about that, except it was part of Clark Connors' push as a new member of Bullet Club. We also got uh, just five guys, uh, the IWGP World Champion Sonata and Kanemaru, again teaming up, this time against Homicide and Rocky Romero. And you would not be surprised to hear that just five guys won that one, of course. there you, Was that the finish right there? Yes. Okay, so what we're seeing is Sonata doing his O'Connor role with the bridge for the folks on the podcast on uh, Homicide, which is exactly the right finish. That's that's who should have been taking the pin in this one. And then we saw uh, Team Filthy, Tom Lawler, Royce Isaacs, and Jarrell Nelson against the Mighty Don't Kneel, being Zack Sabre, Shane Haste, and Bad Dude Tito. And uh, they've been very judicious with Mikey Nichols. He's not He wasn't there on this one, but uh, he will be uh, coming back uh, very soon. Uh, Team Filthy got the win in this one. Bit of a surprise. Trading them back, trading the wins back and forth, you know. Uh, hmm. TMDK won last night, and you know, it just seems like these two stables are going to be feuding with each other until I don't know, maybe they join up. Seems <laughs> like uh, the they all seem kind of all cut from the same cloth, is all I'm saying. <laughs> and uh, Kenny Williams mentioning that Orange Cassidy's on quite a roll, yeah, you know, he has. It, actually elevated that title a little bit uh-huh. not not that pack did a bad job with it he didn't uh, that's not what i'm saying but uh orange 
and part of it is the push and the storyline that they and the presentation. But you have to deliver in the ring, and he certainly does that. So Orange has made that title into something that I pay attention to now, and it is in a a pile, a morass, a uh, lake full of belts that rattle around the AEW locker room. But that one actually does uh, matter to me anyway. So yeah. you don't Good even job. have to build the matches, which is weird because the the psychology of building these matches. But you just know that Orange Cassidy will have a good match. And mm -hmm. he is, I don't want to say supremely underrated, but I think he's got a point where he's too, he's still too underrated for his own good. And I know that the comedy turns some people off and things, and I get it that sometimes I get annoyed by it too and things, but you, I, I do feel like his talent, once he does kick into that part of the match where he's wrestling and the match uh, goes on closer to a normal wrestling match, I feel like his talent's undeniable. So, yeah. Speaking of cut from the same cloth, Brad Ryder over here, Royce mm. Nelson, Jor Royce, Royce Nelson, and Bad Dude Tito are all mainstays of FSW in Vegas and Championship oh. Wrestling for Hollywood. They have a long history together. Speaking mm. of cut from the same cloth, there you go. That's an interesting point there. So, uh, all right. Well, I mean, maybe they'll have. They probably had good chemistry together right there. So, and Kenny Williams agreeing that the international title matches have been good. We're going to mention some of the comments that we've had. Uh, I, I seem to have struck a nerve with some of the uh, uh, memories of past uh, shows. We'll get to that in just a little <laughs> bit, guys. I promise. So, uh, other results from this one, we're going to go through them fairly quick. And a pure match: Alex Coughlin defeated Tracy Williams. El Desperado and Volador Jr. defeated Delirious and Kevin Knight. Uh, that was the that would I bet that was a fun opener. Now that I'm looking at that group, fun opener. Uh, Kevin Knight looked fantastic, jumping around, doing doing all his stuff. Delirious was delirious, but he was a little less delirious in a New Japan ring and a little more cooperative with what New Japan is rather than him just doing whatever. If that makes any sense. Uh, Desperado versus Delirious for the few minutes they had with each other was uh, a way more entertaining than it had any right to be. But uh, yeah, Desperado uh, learned how to win again with the Pinche Loco after blowing it so bad the night before with the Shi. Just not over it yet, are you? It's going to be all right. That, it's going to be all right. That look by by our our strong style stable. Speaking of strong style, uh, I know I, you. I know you mentioned the commentary. Uh, Brad Ryder think that Vader did a great job. Uh, don't think they did the three person booth as well as uh, Kevin, Chris, no. and Rocky and or Gino. Okay, fair enough. Weak, but weak. that's uh, <laughs> Kevin and Chris. I think are one of the best damn teams I've ever heard in my life. And so, uh, and Gino's uh, mostly entertaining when he's in there. I, I like Gino's commentary a lot, and Rocky does an excellent job too. So tough act to follow to be fair to uh, everybody involved there. A couple I, but... quick notes on the um, on the Alex Coughlin-Tracy Williams match. Please. Great pure wrestling match. Uh, it was a spotlight for uh, Alex Coughlin to be on his on his Twitter, as he says, back on his bullshit of his power <laughs> move set. And he did a couple of them tonight that looked pretty fantastic. I don't remember. I, could, I don't want to explain to what they were, but, like, because I'm going to get it wrong because I'm still just <laughs> – Look at it, look at a standing lift, you know, one of these suplexes. They were fantastic. The dude is a beast. Uh, power move central. And I don't know what's in store for him, but the fact that he can do these power moves and actually have a good match is uh, more power to Alex Coughlin. He does not miss leg day. So no, there he's you not. Go. Does not skip leg day. Does his deadlifts. So uh, there were also some Tamashi shows uh, while all this was going on. I'll tell you on. this real quick. This is, uh, oh, okay, this is the... Uh, this is what the new Clark Connors premiere looked like 
with him and David Finley coming out. And this was kind of a big deal with him and his presentation. And he killed the DKC. He killed him dead. This was one of those definitive beatdowns that was set to reestablish Clark Connors. And I just wanted to make sure that that was uh, thoroughly underlined because it was clear from the show that they have big plans of him as almost a number two to David Finley right now. There you go. Okay. So, and it's all black, of course. He's got the Bullet Club motif going, so it's all in black for the folks that were listening. So, Tamashi uh, in, over in uh, Australia. We're not going to go over these matches one by one. Most of these names you're not familiar of because it's a lot of the Fale's Dojo guys. A couple of things worth mentioning. Uh, Shingo Takagi defeated Robbie Eagles in a match that went uh, about 22 and a half minutes or so. Uh, supposed to be very, very good. Heard good things. I've not been able to see it. Tamashi isn't put on the NJPW world quite the same way as the others. Uh, Hiroki Goto was also over there in Australia and picked up some wins. And Jack Banza and Chris Basso are two names that Fale seems fit to put in some of these upper card matches. So these are the guys that were in there with, with Goto and with uh, Shingo and some of the guys when uh, Shingo and Eagles weren't wrestling each other. So Jack Bonza, Chris Basso, those seem to be two that they believe in quite a bit and uh, had prominent spots on those Tamashi cards. So might be worth keeping uh, those guys on your radar, Jack Bonza. And and Chris those Basso. Tamashi cards show up very few and far between on the actual New Japan world. It's like... I don't know. I want to. I, I'm ready to start watching them, but I just don't see them with any regularity showing up on World. Yeah, and they have uh, uh, Slex was also on this uh, S L E X. Slex is an Australian star there. Uh, pretty good. I, he had a hell of a match against uh, Okada a few years ago, which again, you know, a lot of that was Okada, but uh, he held up his end of the bargain in that one, so he's pretty good. And uh, obviously, that's one of uh, Jeremy's dog's favorites is uh, Slex. Big Slex fan over there in uh, in uh, San Jose. So, yeah, uh, yeah, here we go with uh, let's look at some of the upcoming events. We have uh, Dantaku, of course, is the next big uh, New Japan event coming. And the road to wrestling Dantaku goes through Nara on the 20th. These are the upcoming shows this week. We'll be talking about some of the results here on the show next week. Friday, they'll be in Hyogo on uh, the 21st there. And on April 22nd, Saturday, it's Hiroki Goto's 20th anniversary show. He is in the main event, teaming with Yoshihashi and Yo against uh, Sho, Yujiro, Takahashi, and Evil. So House of Torture versus Chaos there. And uh, for the most part, these shows uh, are preview tags only. There, there isn't a whole lot of uh, really great stuff going there other than just... You got Bolt Oleg on the show. Them. Bolton Oleg will be there. Yeah, we'll be seeing yeah. some of that stuff. And uh, yeah, uh, and you know, the we're going to get to the next thing in Osaka. There's a show in Osaka. I think that's going to be on New Japan World, uh, the, the 23rd, I believe. Uh, It'll be Japanese only, and then Kevin Kelly and Charlton will do the video on demand commentary after the fact, but you know. The bigger show on the 23rd is actually the All-Star Grand Queendom, the big uh, stardom show. This is one of the biggest shows in uh, in a long, long time in women's wrestling. We covered it hardcore on uh, the five-star Joshi show. I was lucky enough to guess with Scott Edwards on that yesterday, and that's available on the Fight Game Media feed. Had yeah, a terrific great. discussion. Thank you. I had a terrific discussion about that. I had so much fun talking about it, but... This is probably the biggest New Japan match of the week, and it's not on the New Japan show. IWGP Women's Champion Mercedes yes. Monet taking on the all-time stardom icon, one of the greatest female wrestlers uh, of this generation and maybe all-time. I think she's working her way to Mount Rushmore, Mayu Iwatani. So this is about as big a match as 
stardom has as far as just name value. They're their icon against Mercedes Monet. And Mercedes has been wonderful in her matches so far. Uh, and, of course, the main event there for the World of Stardom title, Julia against Tam Nakano in uh, what's become a wonderful grudge match, uh, Mina Shirakawa against uh, against Saya Kamatani for the Wonder of Stardom title. Those are the big three matches, and well, there's more than that. That, that card's loaded. But for IWGP purposes, mercedes Monet against Mayu Iwatani uh, for a grand queendom. So I, first, I time, love, first time... I love Scott Edwards, but uh, he stole my line. It was... It's a redo of Sasha versus Bailey from Takeover. Well, you know, it, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting dynamic on that, and you know, we know that Manet knows how to play that role, so that might be where yeah. they went with it. And of course, we're going to find out quite a bit more. Not all of it; it's not one hundred percent guaranteed. But we're going to find out what Mercedes' status is with Bushy Road a little bit. We're going to get some information off that. If she wins this match, you got to feel like she's sticking around for a good while longer. Uh, I'm not talking about years, plural, but it looks like she's sticking around. If she loses to Mayu Iwatani, it's not in the bag that she's done and headed it back to North America, but it does put that back into play a little bit more. So that's what I'm going to I be think they have changed with Mercedes Monet. Well, yeah, the, the return of the guy that she walked out on, Vince, uh, certainly has increased the chances that she is uh, staying uh, with us on the bushy road side of things, which I am fine with. So my prediction, I'm glad I didn't have to, I didn't get spoiled yesterday on the show while you were talking. Is that match is going to slap harder than Monet's right hand. Oh man. And she does hit pretty hard. She's got <laughs> stiff slaps. Uh, Mayu's ears. really excited for that match. Honestly, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to try and make a point to see it in some way, shape, or form. That's going to be a fantastic show. It's available on uh, pay-per-view. The best way to catch it is to look at the stardom Twitter feed in the days before they tweet out links to where you can order the show right there. So uh, yeah. And uh, as the flaming shark mentions, we all got that feeling between her seemingly love doing the Joshi stuff and Vince in regards to her status. Absolutely. Right. Yep. It looks uh, for, for selfish reasons on our part, it looks very good. I'm hoping she stays because I would rather see her having these matches than going back and working with uh, uh, you know, some of the stuff in uh, WWE and, and having to deal with that guy again. Uh Moving on from that, uh, the road to Duntaku continues in Kochi, Ehime, uh, Hiroshima. Now, Hiroshima, we're going to get some good stuff. We're going to get the lineups for Best of the Super Juniors. That's on the 27th. So that shows on the 27th. Uh, lineup for uh, BOSJ. We're also going to see that. a That's exciting. special challenge match, Naito versus Doki. Uh, the IWGP Junior Tag Team titles on the line as the Jet Setters, Kushida and Kevin Knight challenge TJP and, and Akira from United Empire. We will also see Hiromu Takahashi defending his title against Shinobu Kanemaru that night. So that ah, show on the 27th is a biggie. That that IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team match, that could be a title change. Kevin yeah, Knight possibly. and Kevin Knight and Kushida is, is not a team that you can look at and say, I don't know if you want to put the belt on those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Flaming Shark saying that uh, New Japan feels like it's flowing and all the main event shows have, main shows have felt important. Uh, it, it does feel good. And the fact that they have sold a lot of tickets for this show in Fukuoka is a very good sign. The people are feeling good about New Japan, feeling energized by it. And I'm glad we're, it's coming and glad we're here for it. It's an interesting time for wrestling. Wrestling as a whole right now, doing very well. I, I know that uh, this is off topic a little bit, but 
SummerSlam selling well over 30,000 tickets in the first couple of days there. I for think the, that Wembley show is going to blow everybody away. You know, there's just so many exciting things going on in wrestling right now, and uh, people seem to be there for it. Wrestling is warm. I'm not going to say it's hot. You know, it's it's difficult to do that in today's culture the way it has been in the past. Like they, you know, when Austin hit or Hulkamania hit, people are ready to go to wrestling but, this summer. Yeah, you know, it, it just feels like people are a little excited about uh, yeah. pro wrestling again. I like it when it gets like that. Uh, and then one, one other thing to mention there in. Uh, and Kagoshima, the wrestling uh, Satsuma no Kuni. I've been practicing that. Aussie Open against TMDK. That is Shane Haste and Mikey Nichols. Aussies versus Aussies. Aussie on Aussie violence for the IWGP Tag Team Championships. The heavyweight ones, not the open uh, show there. Also see the King of Pro Wrestling title defended Shingo Takagi against Taiichi. And then uh, uh, anything else you want to do before? What's that? Did they have a stipulation for that one yet? Not yet. They haven't discussed that one yet. I'm sure that once that one gets a little bit closer, uh, we'll be hearing about that. Uh, so, uh, did, anything else you want to go over, Jeremy, before we get to Duntaku? No. I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I, we might have forgotten something, but uh, there, there's a lot of there's a lot in the bucket this week, I guess. Is the best yeah. <laughs> Flaming Shark had another comment for it that I think is worth noting. Uh, AEW running Wembley, a women's promotion running Yokohama Arena. That's a big building, by the way. And yeah. uh, from what we hear, ticket sales are very good for that Yokohama show. WWE selling like crazy. They are. New Japan running well in Japan and the States. Yeah, loves going around. Uh, you're right. It's a fun time to be a pro wrestling fan. And also worth mentioning, by the way, CMLL killing it. Uh, like nine or 10,000 people every single week on Friday night in Arena Mexico. It's a bit of a different wrestling culture there. There's a lot of tourists and things and people that don't normally watch it uh, go there because it's cultural. But, uh, you know, it, anybody that draws $10,000, uh, 10,000 people a week to the same building is doing something uh, very right. So The formula works. <laughs> the formula works. Don Taku. And, of course, we will be previewing these cards uh, in more detail as we get closer to them. Kenta versus Hikaleo for the strong title. Zack Sabre Jr. against Jeff Cobb for the TV title. Never open weight six man, which is, might be the most intriguing match on the card to me in some ways. Narita, Ren Narita, El Desperado, and Minoru Suzuki. Speaking of strong style, Jeremy. Hey, uh, you did it. I appreciate it. Facing you. Kazushiko Okada and X and X. We don't know. Still don't I know. I thought it was going to be Tanahashi. Not going to be Tanahashi now. Probably not. Uh, never open weight title, Tama Tonga against David Finlay. Oh, and here you go. Flaming Shark. Yeah, happy birthday to the Bullet Club, 10 years old. So there Thought you have nine, it. but 10, 10 makes sense. We have... 10-year-old David Finley. And I'm marking that one, by the way, as a, a title change there. I think that Finley's going to take that thing. One of two things is going to happen here. Uh, Finlay, and I think this is the most likely one, that Finlay ends up being the never open way champion to give him a boost mm -hmm. as the Bullet Club leader. The only way that doesn't happen is if El Phantasmo somehow screws him out of it, thus uh, bringing us a feud. Uh, but uh, it feels like Finlay's ready for a never open way title defense. Tomatonga's done a terrific job, and I think he has uh, done what he needed to do, which is make the G1, uh, make the semifinals, finals G1, uh, you know, win his block, all that kind of stuff, and then. I have this run where he's now a genuine threat as a baby face to anyone mission accomplished. There it might be time to do the same for Finlay on the heel side. Yeah. I think, I think the prediction um, I'm, I'm getting firmer on it is that Finlay wins it here and ELP wins it at Wrestle Kingdom from him or Sounds at great. some point, but you know, just that's the story. I like it. Uh, Tamatonga 
pretty much gone as far as he can go with that title. Yeah. And I don't know where he's going to be in the world title picture, and I'm not sure he's world title material right now. But uh, if the mission was to get Tamatonga where he is now, it's mission accomplished. If there mm-hmm. is a mission to go forward with him and get him even higher, uh, that'll be interesting. And I see how they go about doing that. Tamatonga is now a guy that maybe not Wrestle Kingdom, maybe not Dominion, but you can put him in a singles main event as a baby face and it's fine. It doesn't look weird. It doesn't look like somebody's just getting a little pat on the ass. He's a legitimate singles main eventer, which is not where he was before this turn. So in that sense, they've done everything they've wanted to do with him. So, Colin Matthew needs Hikaleo to beat Kenta and Cobb to beat Zack Sabre Jr. Colin Massey, I don't know if those things are going to happen, but I hope they happen for you. <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, Hikaleo and Kenta. You can make a case uh, yeah. that Hikaleo could use a win there and Kenta doesn't need it. Uh, but, and uh, Cobb and, and Sabre, I mean, geez, I mean, the, there are worse ideas for a TV champion than Cobb. So who knows? Maybe I, I don't see Cobb as the 15 minute sprinter, but, yeah. you know, yeah, that's the only thing. sure. <laughs> Kenny Williams Bullet Club is the same age as my son. What? I know time flies, doesn't it? So, uh, and then of course Sonata versus Hiromu Takahashi. That's the big main event of Dontaku, and uh, should be a dynamite match. I'm just really looking forward to that one. So, wanted to read some comments here, Jeremy. We had some good ones. We were talking about uh, going to wrestling events. I went off on my little tangent, and uh, yeah, uh, Kenny Williams is up in uh, Toronto there, or at least near it, because he's uh, been to nxt events they've been great pay-per-views the two times they've had them there uh ftr against DIY. good lord that was fantastic adam cole versus Gon- gargano three stages of hell terrific match he's got some other things here he wanted to mention and uh, it was worth bringing up. oh yes of course here this is a big one uh mania 18 in toronto one of the favorite events that was the hulk hogan rock Ooh, uh, yeah, match yeah. Survivor Series 2016. That was Brock versus Goldberg. Kenny's seen some good stuff there. Some of their bigger matches. He also brings up SummerSlam 2019. Uh, and uh, it was it was mid. He said uh, Trish versus Charlotte was good for the live crowd. Well, you know, Trish Stratus in Toronto. That's a, it's a hometown girl there. So, yeah. So, yeah. Flaming Shark See, has something here. In okay. regards to Tamatonga, Flaming Shark says, the G1 will say a lot given he was in the semis last year. If he yeah. makes the semis again, I think that would further further solidify that New Japan sees him as a guy close to the main event. I think that's accurate. Yeah. What do you say? No, I think that's true. And I think he could very well win his block again and come out of that into the semifinals. I mean, that's not there'll be uh, four blocks again. So yeah. Um, yeah, there are four four guys you can give that kind of a shove to. So yeah, he would be a good one. I I, I like the guy's work. I, I enjoy if, it. What if I, we I, have what if we have a G one that's so big that we still have not like 10 people on a block, and we have four blocks. It's just, <laughs> they just blow it out. They just blow it out. And I thought, I thought this was interesting here. For I know we have some folks in the UK, Collins from the UK and things. Uh, how much would it cost to go to Duntaku if you were in Japan? Like, what, 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 are, what are the tickets cost? And I looked it up and I ran it all through the currency calculator and things. So, and here's what it costs for a ringside seat to Duntaku. Jeremy, what would just, I, I mean, we could play the game if you want. Do you want to take a little guess as to what sure, it would be I'll in the U.S.? Sure, I'll take a guess month? for a ringside seat. Ringside seat. We're so, talking the, the golden, golden $3,000 for WWE for a big event. <laughs> Something like that. You get to keep your chair, though. You get to keep your chair. Okay. Uh, not, in, not in New Japan. You don't keep the chair. Ah, see? New Japan, a very affordable hobby. Ringside tickets for Dontaku, $123 U.S. Not That's when you run it through the converter. 
and 99 pounds sterling for the folks in England there. 99 pounds sterling. So yeah, $123 for ringside. And then a, a good floor seat, a good floor seat for Duntaku comes in at $64 to, $64 to $79 US dollars. Of course, they have different uh, tiers there. And in uh, pounds sterling, that is, uh, I like saying that, uh, 51 to 63 and uh, the cheapest ticket in the building, you can get in for 49 bucks. I want to find out how much the Dominion ticket car at some point. We well, we'll look at that. Dominion, I, I want to look at those. Cause... I'm fascinated by this. So we'll, we'll, we'll take a look. And then uh, the cheapest ticket, yeah, 49 bucks, And that's 39 uh, pounds sterling. And uh, the uh, the other thing, uh, oh, and he's he's in England. He's in Scotland. Oh, well, there you have it. Oh, I tried, uh, Colin. There you go, Colin. That's... That's a grievous mistake, Stephen. <laughs> I know. I do not. I do not equate the two, Colin. I assure you. I promise you. Uh, so, um, moving on from that, yeah, it, it's Flaming Shark. If I lived in Japan, I'd be going to shows all the time. I looked up tickets for uh, the Corican Hall shows, just the regular mm -hmm. uh, Best of the Super Juniors. Although I guess that's not regular, but you know, Corican sure. Hall show, and it's about the same as when I saw Noah there. And you can get into Corican Hall for about the equivalent of sixty-three dollars. U.S. a ticket, so pretty darn reasonable. Pretty darn reasonable. So uh, th I just thought that would be interesting to see if you were in Japan. That's how much it would cost to go to some of these big shows that we're looking forward to. I'm definitely paying more money to see these guys stateside. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, geez, I, I jumped in on the G1 in Dallas. And I paid a pretty penny for those seats because I bought them the day they went on sale. And I did not take any chances and things. And then, you know, the building was only about one third full and people were getting in a lot cheaper than I got in <laughs> toward the end. I regret nothing. I was uh, I was no, very, no. terribly excited to be there. And <clears throat> uh, we got a group of guys that I go with, you know, just kind of a thing. Five of us. Yeah, get those tickets if you want Colin, like, five I, people or whatever. Colin, you're killing me, man. I'm not the only one to think the UK is just England. I didn't think that. I just didn't know where you <laughs> you you said you were in the UK. I didn't. I just you know, but just on population, I had to guess. Uh, I, but uh, I, I did not look it up. Okay. <laughs> I don't think the Scotland and England are the same thing. I don't. Oh, look at this, Brad Ryder. It costs more to go to some indies, especially GCW, than to a top tier New Japan show besides Wrestle Kingdom. Does it really cost more to go Alter. to garbage? It costs more for garbage championship wrestling than an NJPW show. Wow, boy, that's to see some guy get uh, sticks shoved in his head. Wait, stage capitalism, baby. <laughs> Man, yeah, all right, well, there you go. Uh, that yeah, Flaming Shark, that G1 show was absolutely worth it. I, it was worth it when Liger came out. That's all I needed, by the way. They, they after that, everything was gravy. I was so happy. Uh, that was a, a really good one. Uh, yeah, uh, I missed the Japan. Miguel, yeah, uh, and uh, I missed the trips, the the Japan trips people were taking in 2016 to 2019. I hope the energy returns and people start making those trips again. Me too, my man, including me. I'm hoping to get back there sometime. Uh, no, I'm really hoping to get back there sometime. So. Michael Rubio is, uh, is a San Jose local, and he's got a hey. he's got a restaurant, and I'm uh, I'm 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 becoming friends with him, and I'm already friends with his brother David Rubio, who's an <laughs> F4W regular, and. Uh, He's a good guy. If you ever get a chance to check out his pizza place, it's like in New York in San Jose. Let's check oh. it out. New York style pizza, huh? In San New Jose. York style pizza. Award winning, from what I understand. I'm going to be finding out. I'm going to be going to New York in a couple of weeks. Might be doing this show from uh, a Manhattan hotel room in a couple of weeks, by the way. That's but, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. Skyline <laughs> special. <laughs> so I uh, wanted to mention here we have a little bit of time left. Uh, and. Uh, Sakura Genesis, of course, big event. Uh, Sonato defeating Kazushi Okada for the IWGP World Heavyweight title. 
relatively short history of Sakura Genesis. It is a relatively new show on the calendar. I went back and looked at it, and while it is a relatively new show, it has had some very historic moments. And it began in 2017. It was April 9th, 2017. was the first Sakura Genesis. Before Sakura Genesis, it was called uh, Invasion Attack. That was the uh, pay-per-view name uh, or big show name they used for the uh, the big spring show there. Uh, Sakura, of course, re- refers to the cherry blossoms. And uh, Genesis, of course, the, the new life in the spring uh, sprouting out there. So uh, Sakura season is uh, a very expensive time to travel to Japan as a tourist. I found out the hard way. Uh, that uh, is why I went in September. Now, uh, the first one was in 2017. That is when Shibata... Katsuyori Shibata suffered the subdural hematoma in his match with Okada. And uh, he had that shoot headbutt on Okada that was so loud it turned the stomachs of the English commentary team when it happened. And uh, it was just a, let's call it what it is, one of the dumber things somebody's done in a match in a long time. Damn near killed himself. Uh, So uh, we can do without those shoot headbutts. Julia from Stardom, if you're listening, (laughs) you're not, but knock it off the shoot headbutts. you're and, just watching, uh, you just want everyone to say Shibata, and they all live happily ever after. <laughs> yes. I, I am very happy that Shibata is back, but maybe we didn't need the near-death experience for that one. Uh, we didn't need the last tears to go down the way that they did. Hiromu Takahashi defeated Kushida. This is when Hiromu had recently, not, this wasn't like his debut or anything, had recently come back as the, the time bomb from uh, his uh, excursion. And he defeated Kushida in under two minutes. They did this whole thing where the heel, very much a heel, uh, Lij back then, Hiromu was antagonizing the babyface uh, Kushida, and uh, Kushida did this dive to start the match. Hiromu hadn't even gotten into the ring yet. Kushida dove out over the turnbuckles and and uh, clobbered him in the aisle. However, Hiromu got the advantage, hit the time bomb, beat him in less than two minutes as a way to just say, "Holy crap, this guy just buried the number one guy." Uh, very, very quickly. And it was one of the things that helped to get Hiromu Takahashi over in such a way. Uh, and some other interesting results from that very first one, uh, Hiroki Goto defeated Zack Sabre Jr. for the never open weight title. And Zack had made his New Japan debut only on March 6th of that year. So he was a relatively new guy for New Japan. Um, he uh, defeated Shibata for the British heavyweight title with help from Davy Boy Smith and Minoru Suzuki. So that was what happened back on March 6th. And then uh, he challenged Goto for the never uh, title. You'll never guess. I, I'm going to, I could give you a hundred tries. I don't think you're okay. going to guess who was in the heavyweight tag team match uh, for the, who, the, who do you think were the heavyweight tag team champions going into the very first uh, Sakura Genesis? Lance Archer and Davey Boy Smith? No, it was actually 10 cozy. Tenzan and Kojima were the champions. Yeah, no, and, I wasn't going to get that. <laughs> no, I know. You know, and they lost them that night to War Machine. Okay, War Machine. Yeah, so War Machine had their run there, uh, and uh, Tenkozi had stepped in and won the titles in a match against Ishii and Yano. Uh, that was after Tomowaki Honma was injured. Honma had been teaming teaming with Togi Makabe and had actually won World Tag League two years in a row. So Honma and Makabe were a top-level uh, tag team at the time. Honma was injured. Uh, that They were pulled out of that match. Tengozi stepped in, won the titles over Ishii and Yano, and then uh, put over War Machine here at Sakura Genesis. Uh, Taichi and Kanemaru defeated Jado and Ghetto in a junior heavyweight title match. Taichi still a junior heavyweight back then. 
And uh, Kota Ibushi wrestled as Tiger Mask W on this show, where he had that over-elaborate mask that he really couldn't see out of that really hindered him. But he teamed with the original Tiger Mask, Togi Makabe, and Yuji Nagata in the loss to the Gorillas of Destiny, Chase Owens and Yujiro Takahashi. The Young Lion match was Jushin Lager, Manabu Nakanishi, and David Finlay uh, facing... Kitamura, the late uh, the late Katsuya Kitamura, Tomoaki, uh, Tomoyuki Oka, who is of course now Great Okan, and Hirai Kawato, Master Wato. So that was the Young Lion match there, and uh, Liger's team won that. Uh, other things that went on uh, in 2018, it was on April 1st in Sumo Hall. That was Okada defeating Zack Saber Jr. after Saber had won his first New Japan Cup. Uh, the Bullet Club team of uh, Hangman Page and Cody yeah. defeated defeated Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, the Golden Lovers, on that show. So that was Remember, after Omega. Uh, Hangman was uh, Cody's number two for a while. There you go. Will Osprey dis- defeated Marty Skrull for the junior title on that show. So if you remember when Marty was in uh, New Japan for a while, Desperado, <laughs> yeah, Desperado and Kanemaru defeated Bushi and Hiromu and Sho and Yo in the three way for the junior tag titles. Uh, so yeah, he had some things there. Uh, Tanahashi Juice Robinson and David Finlay. So Tanahashi and Finn Juice beat uh, Goto. Yoshihashi and Jay White, who had not yet screwed over chaos at that point. So it uh Finjuk feels so long ago by now. It really does. Uh it feels even longer that Jay White was there with uh chaos at that point. And then on April 4th, 2021, uh they didn't do uh in 2019, 2020, they didn't have uh Sakura Genesis returned on the the uh on April 4th, 2021, that was Osprey beating Kota Ibushi for the IWGP world title. So that was just after uh, Ibushi had won all those um, big uh-huh. matches in the Tokyo Dome. And then last year was called Hyper Battle, which was a throwback because of the 50th I... anniversary thing. So they call it Hyper Battle. Attendance had been around 10,000 uh, per show on that one, uh, around 10K. It was down to 4,755 at the last one with all the restrictions and things. You couldn't sell all the tickets. Uh, and then this past year, Still a little bit restricted in, in uh, Sumo Hall, with the, especially the lower arena uh, there. Uh, that was around six, a little under 7,000, so in the middle. And uh, now, of course, beginning in May, 100% cheering, 100% capacity at New Japan events. So next time they go to Rio Goku Kujikan, we're going to get a real sense of where they are as far as popularity goes and how many tickets they sell. Again, Fukuoka for... Uh, this next one, Dontaku, uh, all signs looking good. I, uh, I'm just excited in general. It, it like, we're get the Dontaku and the Genesis, and it just feels like we got a run up. And Dominion is going to be pretty special. Forbidden Door Two is going to be pretty special, and the G1 and everything is just everything's tracking positively for all of this right now. And when you were telling me about uh, 2021, I was just like, I immediately flash back to Will winning then having to drop the title, and then Okada and Shingo uh, <laughs> battling for the title. Shingo winning, basically doing Will's role by proxy for the rest of the year until Will came back and, and uh, took the title before what, losing it again at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't remember how it worked out at Wrestle Kingdom, but man, that was, that was crazy time. Back such then. a chaotic <laughs> period. Such a chaotic period. And uh, yeah, Flaming Shark, I miss War Machine. Still a great team, but uh, yeah, I mean, the Viking Raiders are a watered-down version of that. If if 
if War Machine sheep herders and bushwhackers. Yes, exactly right. If if uh, if War Machine were the sheep herders, then uh, the Viking Raiders are the bushwhackers. Uh, I keep telling people, man, I, and of course we just lost. Uh, uh, was Butch, Butch Miller passed away, and I, I keep telling people that saw the Bushwhackers and like, man, it, it's the same two guys, but the Sheep Herders were a badass tag team. They were scary, uh, and then uh, also uh, Sumo Hall looked really good, though. Yeah, it sure did, and, and they did a nice job framing it. Uh, time for uh, time for a full New Japan with Don Taku. Absolutely right. And the next time they go to Sumo Hall, I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot more people in there. So it's going to some be of those halls and places are really unique like i remember the glass etched one that they were in and then there yeah. was the uh the futuristic like hallway with the back wall with like five five people <laughs> get five rows of people against the wall and all of a sudden it just looked like you're in this weird auditorium a big box square auditorium i don't see like wrestling shows that aired places like that around here so yeah I'm always it, fascinated it, by it. it is fascinating to watch some of those touring things we're going to see some of the best of the super juniors too uh where you know they're just in these giant halls with no bleachers and everybody's on one level on the floor and all the house lights are up the whole time. Like they're in a big convention hall, probably because they are. And uh, my, my personal favorite of those, the, the quirkiest ones are the ones that have the two escalators in the background. You just, <laughs> and you just see people that have nothing to do with the wrestling show, just going by. <laughs> the way. I always wonder what they're, where they're headed. I, I'm, I've always been curious about that. Never been able to find out. Maybe I will someday, but like, how do you, how do you get that close to the wrestling able to take an escalator and not have a ticket to be in there? I Hey, you know what though? If any place you can do it is Japan, they're so polite right. about stuff like that. Where they'd be like, "Would you like to watch?" Oh, I don't have a ticket. I can't. I have to keep moving. Uh, <laughs> like they, they would absolutely do that. You know, you could get away with it there. They're, like, they're oh, a good honor code. I there didn't pay to see the show. Special. I can't look. You know, I can't look. So yeah, the honor, the honor code is pretty special there. I'm, I'm a big fan. What else we got today? Got you know that. I think that we've pretty much covered it. Like next week, we're going to be looking at some of the road shows and we're going to be taking a closer look and, and go to his anniversary. We're going to be talking about that. So uh, maybe go over his career a little bit. And uh, yeah, but we're, I got, we're I got a four minute. Taco. I got a four minute thing for you real quick, please. Yeah. What do you think about Will Ospreay's whole, I don't know how much I'm going to be doing this much longer. I feel like almost everybody gets to this point at some time or another, usually when they're injured, there has to be a time when you're, you're feeling down, you're in pain, you're healing slower than you want to, because you can never heal fast enough. And you just feel like, why am I doing this crap? And you know, why, you know, why am I putting myself through this? I feel like everybody said, (laughs) Owen Hart said he had one more year left in him every year. And there were people that said the undertaker in 19 late nineties was talking about, I've got another year left. And there was a story, I think that who was it? Either Brian Alvarez or something told of, of El Generico, Sammy Zayn getting into a car. Like he was an 80 year old man and thinking, boy, I don't, I don't have a whole lot left. And he just was part of one of the biggest WrestleManias, you know? Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, Will has had some things, you know, has had some issues that he's been open about with depression. So getting hurt, getting pulled from shows he was looking forward to, perhaps stressing out that he might not be able to perform up to his standards. Uh, I have a feeling that he can still uh, make us very happy with his, with his matches. I think he's uh, one of the best workers in the world and that he would be able to pull through, but it's his standards that he is more afraid of than ours. <sighs> In those moments, I think he probably sits there and going, maybe that maybe I shouldn't do this too long. When he heals up, when he gets back out in front of a crowd, 
when he feels that kind of feedback again, has a great match and the response from a great match, he may very well feel differently. But I feel like a lot of top wrestlers have that moment where, who do I need to keep putting myself through this? Especially when they're not getting the good parts of being a pro wrestler, which is that adulation and those uh, visceral reactions when you do something impressive in front of people. Yeah, I... uh... I, I, I want to preface this by saying I validate every feeling that he's had about the pain that his body is going through and everything that is that he has done in the in the art of performance and for the fans and whether and while I say that, it definitely sounds like a syndrome of I'm too old for this shit. So and I think he'll get I think he'll snap out of it and it can be played for angles more than anything else right now. I'm glad he said it. I'm glad that the fans are aware that there might potentially be an end date on all this, but uh, more noise than news is what I would say about this. Flaming Shark agrees. He says, uh, <clears throat> Will was having the same talk that Kenny Omega did during his long healing process leading up to his return. And I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> so, uh, also going to have to talk about the IWGP women's title match next week. Yes, yes we absolutely will. And- so, for more details <clears throat> on that, don't forget to check out Scott Conway and uh, uh, Scott Edwards and Stephen Conway's uh, talk on the Five Star Joshi that was on the Fight Game Media YouTube channel yesterday. They had an in-depth talk about that and the rest of the card, and then we will go ahead and talk about the outcome of that show next week. Stephen Conway, do you have any socials that you want to talk? Just my Twitter at Stephen Conway eighty eight, <clears throat> and then RingsideReplay.com, my history website, and then like I said, check out the Five Star Joshi show with uh, Scott <clears throat> that I did earlier this week, and he's going to have another one with uh, another guest who is a longtime women's wrestling expert. So I kind of come at it as a fan who has kept track of stardom, but only recently started watching it hardcore. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. new here. Uh, I mean, I always kind of knew what was going on, but now I'm watching every show. Uh, he's going to have a guest on later this week. His, his name is escaping me, but keep an eye out for Five Star Joshi because those are two of the people that know uh, Joshi wrestling absolutely inside and out. So whichever perspective you want to take, Scott's going to have you covered on that. This is the biggest women's wrestling show since the mid nineties. Since those, uh, you know, those uh, dream slams. But, and so it's, it's going to be great. And uh, some wonderful matches. We counted seven possible best matches on the show. I mean, there's seven matches on there that might be the best match on the show. So. All right. Well, Feel like that covers it. Check out that show. We'll talk about it next week. Stephen Conway, eighty-eight on Twitter is him. I am Jer Feinstone. For me, this has been speaking of strong style. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.